Okay, hello everyone who is listening. Welcome to another episode of Sack Kinks Therapy Pod. And today we're going to have a more traditional uh, episode uh, where we'll be talking about good old-fashioned basketball and kind of sprinkle in some wrestling maybe at but We're back to talk about the Kings today. And with me, Fong Legacy. Hello. Okay, all right. So this week's episode, we're going to talk about Luke Walton, the very this is a polarizing coach of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, he started coaching the Kings this season and has more or less mixed reviews, to say the least. Uh, more on the negative side, I feel, from Twitter anyway. Um, so let's talk about him. All right. So my thoughts on Luke Walton are, you know, just like most people, kind of mixed. Although I do lean on the side of optimism with him. It is his first year coaching the team and, you know, coming back from the high of la- the year, the prior year before Dave Yeager's last, uh, last season, you know, we we're coming off the high of that season and we kind of took a step back for the, you know, on the surface anyway, you know, we, we had a better record by the time, by the same time, like by the time the season was suspended, we had a better record uh, the previous year. and. You know, a lot of people were kind of were disappointed that we felt like we took a step back. What, what did you think of that situation? Mm, yeah, towards the beginning, I thought that we weren't playing like how we were last season with uh, Dave Yeager. We kind of forgot how to play that type of fast-paced game, you know, and started doing towards defense. But, I mean, near the beginning of this season, it seemed like, didn't really help at all. Yeah, so we start. We played slow, and the I've heard from a lot of, from you know podcasts and uh, you know articles is that Lou Wong did tell them to play fast, but they just didn't for some reason, which was just mm-hmm. weird. And you know, like you can you can bring up the stuff about like the the weird training camp schedule. Basically, we had we had to go to the India trip, and we had basically no time for a real training camp. Mm-hmm. Like you know hammer in what Luke wants and, and all that stuff. And then you, you talk about the defense. We were trying to focus more on defense. While I did see so, some signs of a you know certain defensive philosophies that were being inputted, but it was a work in progress for much of the season. And even towards the end of the season, you know, we were ranked pretty high in defense. But there we still had a warts, a lot of big warts, I feel. And mm-hmm. you know, when you stop playing fast and you don't you're you're not really that good at defense. It it leads to certain a lot of disasters, and that's kind of what happened from a lot of the season. However, by the time we started, by the time the season was suspended, we were trending in the right way. We had a really big game coming, and you know I thought that was going to be the game that kind of decides if we make the playoffs or not. Honestly, I like I seriously am leading more and more towards that, but. You know, this game didn't happen. I'm talking about the Pelicans game, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll never really know. Maybe if the season gets started again, maybe we'll have like an idea of it. But I feel like we were on track to becoming pretty good. And I think we were going to beat the Pelicans that night, even with with the Zion. You know? And, you know, so my overall thoughts on Luke, I I like so let's start with some of the positives. I actually really like his out of timeout plays. A lot of times when he 
comes out of a timeout, he draws up a play, and it usually, it, if it doesn't lead to a score, it's like you can see like, wow, that's a really good play. Um, example like the boat, the bogey play. Um, it was against the Lakers. Uh, the, our first time we played at at a Staples Center, and kind of the final play, um, where basically Harrison Barnes fakes to bogey because they knew that you know everyone remembers the bogey shot from last year, mm-hmm. and basically Harrison Barnes faked, tripped, and, and you know faked the uh, faked the handoff and basically drove to the rim, trips and you know gets blocked by Anthony Davis. Um, yeah, so that was the, like plays like that are really amazing, and that seems to be a pretty decent trend with uh, with Luke, and that's one thing I really like. Can you name some positives as well? Right, in terms of uh, how Luke won uh, coaches, coaches, uh, I gotta say, in terms of defense, I, I could see it like happening a lot more than last season, I could say. Uh, in terms of like plays like that, it's kind of hard. It's kind of fifty-fifty. I'd say some look good, some look bad, but it's mostly depending on, you know, who creates that shot. Yeah, and you know, like we, you know, because of the injuries, you know, look, mm-hmm. we had to kind of certain guys had to go into roles that they didn't really that they weren't really designed but like they that they shouldn't really play like you know Corey joseph handled the ball a lot and buddy in particular handled the ball way more than i like and you know he's a he's a decent ball handler but he's not he really shouldn't be your main ball handler. Well, in terms of he really should be oh, sorry yeah in terms of closing a game i think so far this season it's been mostly fox i don't there's some like here and there's with other players but i, I in my opinion i think it's mostly fox usually closing out yeah, and you know, of course, Fox was out for 18 games. So like mm-hmm. during that stretch, like Buddy had to handle the ball a lot, and you know, to mixed results to say the least. Um, but yeah, like as far as far as you know, I I tend to look at that as him trying to develop Buddy, and you know, I like that. You know, see, may, maybe he re- improves his ball handling over the summer, but I prefer to see him less on the ball. But you know, I seeing how Luke is at least trying to develop like a guy like Buddy. I, that that's a good sign to me. And you know, he he tend he does tend to be hard on Buddy as well. And you know, that's hit or miss in my opinion. But like you know, I like to I like seeing him try to coach. You know what I mean? Not just let the inmates run the asylum type idea. Mm-hmm. And also, as far as I know, that the. the uh, the players do like him, and you know, I I assume he's good with the front office because he is, you know, uh, Vlade's pick to be coach. And you know, rumors were players didn't like Dave Yeager all that much. So yeah, so you know that that's I guess a positive. You know, hopefully he's not a pushover. Although I have heard some stories of uh of him in Golden State, it's kind of a pushover apparently. Yeah. Uh, so some of the negatives with Walton. Very weird rotations, wouldn't you say? Yeah, pretty pretty weird. So but... you know, we the the main thing is the the buddy stuff. Like for some reason, just did, didn't they didn't play buddy in fourth quarters for some reason sometimes. So the rap. So the most recent one, of course, is the Raptors game. You know, final possession, you're down three, you don't have buddy in, and even though he's the best three point shooter in, 
in on the team and it's just i know he hadn't played the entire fourth quarter but the why he wasn't in is kind of inexcusable but you know like they 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 didn't play with him the entire fourth quarter but still you need him in there and then of course the deadman stuff i felt like that could have completely been avoided <laughs> wouldn't you say uh elaborate why or like so during the stretch where basically Demon just ended up was completely benched didn't play at all that was during the fox and marvin injury period and for Mm -hmm. some reason he just didn't play him i thought was weird like you're shorthanded as hell as it is and like you don't play a player who's healthy it you know could help and did help when he did play him you know Mm mm-hmm Oh, I, I, that that's the thing with like that's some of the negatives I see with Luke. There's probably more that I can't think of right now, but those are my thoughts about Luke. You know, positives, very friend, you know, player friendly coach. You know, runs really good out of bounds plays, tries to develop his uh, players, and you know has actually improved the defense. As for the offense, we'll have to see how that we'll have to see more of that next year because. I think a lot of it was being implemented, and with the injuries, we never really got the consistency that he wanted. So, like, no, not not everyone was able to get used to everyone in in the new offense. And yeah, we'll have to see next year um, how it is. As for the negatives, you know, weird rotations, um, not seemingly not being able to get to some players in some ways. Again, not playing fast, which was weird, and you know, just kind of. It seems like he's not hard enough on the players at at times. I feel. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, with all the injuries, I would like to see a full stat team and see how that plays out. Um, as of right now, we probably won't be able to see it this season. But for sure, for next season, I would like for uh, Wallen to, you know, hopefully somehow create that team so we could consistently go to the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know, I like to, again, I like that he's at least trying to develop some players, you know, like buddies, you know, buddy trying to develop buddies, uh, ball handling and such. Hopefully he has an effect on uh, Justin James because that's the kind of guy I'm going to keep an eye on. You know, mm-hmm. you, know I, you know, he's a very positive guy, you know, got mad hops and just and you know is a defensive guy they, he gets played for defense and what he's what luke wants him to do is improve his uh shooting so that you know he can be used as kind of a kind of like a two guard stopper type type player mm-hmm. and you know like i hate to bring up this comparison but if he just becomes alex caruso like he i think that'd be great for this team hmm you know, Alex Caruso is nice, you know, despite, you know, him being a Laker, but like he he is a legitimately useful player on a championship team. And if Justin James would become, uh, you know, Alex Caruso, I'm all for it. And, you know, there are comparisons to maybe be made, you know, Mad Hops, both can't really shoot bar defensive guys and seemingly smart guys, although I haven't seen as mu- that much from Justin James just because he hasn't played much, but yeah. What what are your thoughts on Justin James? I don't think I've ever asked you. Before. I would like to see him play because we did draft him, and so far, I mean, he only played like what a total ten minutes this whole season. I mean, no, they played more than that, but I hope. like, it's, <laughs> but 
No, just he's a second round pick, and most second round picks don't turn into anything. And the fact uh, that he, you know he can get on to the NBA court as well, like that's yeah something, I guess. <laughs> like being able to get on, I feel like that there will be a chance for him in the future. But I don't, uh, as of right now, he's a shooting guard, correct? Yeah, his shooting guard kind of combo. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can be a ball handler because he's not that tall, if I remember right. Maybe like six three, six four. Mm-hmm. Oh, like we have a lot of players that I would like to see try to fit or maybe kind of want to see how they improve with our team. One Justin ja- uh, James and another being a man. Okay. I was what was that? Oh guy. Oh Kyle guy. I haven't heard from him much lately, but man, who who do we get from the trade? I forgot his name already. Uh, which trade? Uh, Jabari Parker? Yeah, Jabari Parker. <laughs> That's a guy I don't know what to think of. Like, because we, we technically, apparently, we wanted Jabari Parker, and Alex Len was a throw-in. And Alex Len has be- has proven to be very, very useful. So, mm-hmm. it's just kind of one of those weird things about the front office that makes me a little uneasy. It was like, why did you want Jabari Parker? I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of Jabari Parker just because he's an all-offense, no-defense type guy. Yeah. And Alex Len is, you know, a defensive guy that has some offensive skill. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, why did did we want Jabari Parker? Yeah. I just don't get it. Because now Jabari Parker has a player option, I believe. Team op- but, uh Yes, player option. Player option. Yeah, so he's going to opt into that. He's going to opt in. And, you know, he'll yeah. be here next year. So I don't know how he'll be utilizing the Kings. So maybe same... like a maybe like a poor man's Marvin would be mm-hmm. what I see him as. All right, same with Justin James and Jabari Parker. I want to see how they'll be utilized in our team because so far we've seen whatever like lineups Walton puts out and whatever uh, you know plays that the Kings have been doing so far. And as of right now, it's like. It's working, but how would these pieces, you know, help us improve in the playoff chances? Yeah, well, what to, and the thing is, we'll have to see what Marvin is. I think that is the key because yeah. Buddy will be who Buddy is as long as he doesn't like flip out on the team for just being a six man. I think we'll be fine. You know, Fox will probably hopefully improves even more, which would be crazy. And you know, the Mar the Marvin factor you know i know i know he played 13 games this year and was 2 of 11 but you know he never really got a chance to really establish himself in the in on the team Mm -hmm. and you know he was on a minutes restriction i think for like nine of the nine i think 11 of the uh 13 games he played Mm -hmm. or something something around there but yeah so we'll have to see what he turns into Okay, uh, just so about the uh, about Luke Walton. So Jason Jones did a Jason Jones at the Athletic. That is, I know I refer to him a lot. I'm gonna refer to him more because I listen to him just about every day. Um, well, not every day. Every every time he th- puts out an episode. But he did a survey, and you know he he asked about a lot of like you know who's your favorite player on the Kings? Do, uh, do you have faith in Marvin Bagley? And you know one and do you have faith in the front office? And do you have faith in Luke Walton? And so 
for the loot wall in question anyway, that was 54% yes and 45% or 45.6% no. You know, that's a surprisingly even even split because if you if you spend time on Twitter, I don't know if it's like that on Reddit, but like Kings fans don't like Luke Walton at all. So what is it like over there in uh, Reddit land? Uh, in terms of Reddit, I haven't seen too much about Luke Walton. Um, in terms of like during the games, I, I believe I see a lot of hate. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's just how fandom works. So once, if things go right, like you know, there's all kinds of praise, blind praise. Remember, our, remember our good friend, pr- like praising the uh, Dave Yeager firing and how Marvin was going to be better than. Well, I don't think he said that, but he was just like saying, "Yeah, Marvin's fine." And then during the season, he just completely shat on him throughout. <sighs> so like, that's just how fandom works, you know. Yeah. Like, things go bad. You, completely throw in the towel you know I, I, yeah i thought um last season i thought a lot of people didn't like or not oh, i'm sorry uh dave yeager as a coach the, he there was that really weird golden state incident with buddy where basically he, like after buddy hits a three he yells at him yeah 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 so that was just weird like and of course and uh, you know there were uh, there was the brandon williams stuff i everyone was on everyone was on dave yeager's side i think on that one actually Mm-hmm. but it's just you know so yeah you, you had that issue with buddy and i think just not a lot of people liked him so there weren't that many defenders of him you know mm-hmm. on the team anyway so yeah so it, that's just how fandom works things go right with all kinds of blind praise and then if things go wrong you just throw in the towel and shit on you know what what you're rooting for basically so Okay, so yeah, 54, basically a 54-45 split, 46 split, and it's just surprising to me because, you know, again, I'm on Twitter a lot, and, you know, all there's so much hate for Luke Walton, and, you know, I think a lot of it fair, but a lot of it, I think, a little bit unfair as well, and yeah, so, yeah, I was just surprised to learn that it was 54% of people supported Luke, and yeah. And uh, yeah, if you're wondering about the front office, how many people support the front office, it's about the same number. It's 53.9% and 46.1% for, um, okay, so 54% say no, they don't trust the, uh, they don't trust the front office going forward. And Mm -hmm. 46% say yes. And I'm going to guess, you know, 50 out of those 53% is because of the Luca Luca thing. So, okay, yeah. <laughs> what were you about to say? Oh, no, I was about to say, I, I'm surprised it's kind of split even. That's what I thought. Again, again, if you go on Twitter, go on social media, it's always negative because Luke, Luca is so good. <laughs> it's. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I, I hope Marvin understands this. That we, when Sac Kings, when Sacramento Kings fans like boo him or like hate him online, it's not because they hate him. It's that they hate Vlade, and it's they hate that he didn't, t- you know, that he's not Luca, and it's mm-hmm. unfortunate. I, I like Marvin. Seems like a nice. He seems like a nice kid, and I can say that because I am older than him at this point, and you know, like I think he's going to be a decent player, of course probably not going to be Luca, and I'm disappointed in that, but I think he'll be fine. And, and as for that question, uh, for he, uh, Jason Jones asked, do you have faith in Marvin Bagley? And 
45% said, I still want Luka. 34% says, yes, he can be an all-star when he's healthy. And uh, let's see, 20% 20 uh, voted that the Kings can be okay without him. And I, I honestly, I kind of land in that area. Ooh. That's... Yeah, I'm pretty mixed about that. I don't know. I, I think he can. I think if things go well, if he works yeah. hard and he comes back healthy, he can add another dimension to the Kings' offense. As yeah. for the defense, that'll have to come with him playing. He we don't has, know if he's going to be good at that. So, I feel like he still has time to prove himself. Oh, he has plenty of time. That's the thing I hate when I hear people calling him a bus. It's second year. Mm-hmm. Like, you usually really can't say someone's a bust until they're fourth, at least. Mm -hmm. So, I, I think he's, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be a good player, at least. And, you know, like, again, I think he has a lot of potential. Like, a lot of potential as an offensive player, and we'll see. And, you know, like, if he comes back healthy. And I hope that he can add a certain dimension to the, to the, uh, to the Kings offense that he'll kind of almost... Not skyrocket us into the playoffs, but like just lead us, you know, you know, push us to the playoffs. You know, that that's my hope with him. Mm -hmm. Okay, well that's okay. Well, th there's more questions, but we'll we'll move on. We're we could do an entire podcast on that article alone. <laughs> but uh, huh. another another article that I ran into, written by Jason Jones again. Um, so. This just basically the second article just basically talks about Luke and what his plans were for the Kings. And basically, when he first came to the season, he wanted the Kings to launch threes. He wanted them to shoot 35 threes a game. And if you remember, we were taking some pretty awful threes to start the, start the season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was just so he basically talked about his strategy. He also talked a little bit about Marvin. There is no real update on Marvin basically, but he felt like they were figuring stuff out by the end, you know, and they were playing very well. They were running the offense better and, you know, they were finally starting to get healthy with the exception of Marvin. And so basically it's, he has a lot of optimism going forward. And yeah, that's basically like the, um, the point of the article. Um, you, you have any thoughts on kind of just any form of optimism or what What do you think of like the future in case that the season resumes in some way and maybe there is a play like we actually play for the playoffs? Like, do you think we have a chance to make it? I feel like we have a chance. There's, it's just that with the Corona going around, we'll never know. But for optimism about kind of like next season, I, I really have higher hopes than previous seasons for sure about uh, this team because we've been building and building and uh, I I feel like I have a lot more faith with Luke than I had with Dave Yeager because Dave Yeager had a slow start as well. It didn't actually it actually actually no it was no we had a pretty well we had a decent start but we were hot yeah. up until the All Star break and then we just kind of fell I, off a cliff basically. I guess I say that because um, it was during the time when DeMarcus was still around. Mm. And then without him, it started to pick up a lot better. I guess that's why. I... <laughs> I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, and, that's why I know, thought. 
And, you know, like, again, I, I actually was one of the people that really didn't want to fire Dave Eager just because you fir the first time in so many years that you, you know, you get, you're actually playing for the playoffs, you know, late into the season for the most part. And you fire that guy and, you know, and then you start over with Luke Walton. Now I've kind of just, kind of just come to the, come to the fact that, you know, Walton, like, okay, okay, we can start fresh. Maybe we can build off something because the way that Dave Yeager played, it had a ceiling to it. You played fast, but you didn't really have a structured offense. The Kings didn't have a structured offense, really. It was just running, mm -hmm. it was just running up and down. Yeah. And that's really started to get exposed later on in the season. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought there was like a ceiling that we reached. And you know, I, I didn't even think of this last year, but Fox only missed one game. And this year he's missed 18. So like, mm -hmm. had we played the exact same way, we we probably would end up with a worse record this year because without without Fox, like who's going to be playing, who's going to be our lead guard really? Because Corey Joseph isn't really that guy. And, you know, Buddy, as I said, isn't really like a, great ball handler and bogey doesn't really like is not one of those guys that likes to go get up and down the court really like, he likes to spot up but he's not like the dribbler he mm -hmm. threat with the ball the, with the speed that De'Aaron is so i i just thought like you know i honestly i honestly thought like luke did a good job for what he was given you know okay um let, all right let's uh, go to your article about uh luke Okay, so from A Royal Pain, an article from Anthony Cardenas, I believe that's how you say it. Uh, is, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> so this article is pretty much like, well, maybe maybe Luke is the coach of the Kings for next season. <laughs> because Was that ever in doubt? Like, really? I, I don't know. Was that ever yeah. in doubt? I don't know. When I tried looking for articles about Luke... 90% of are about his accusations earlier before the season started. So, yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, that that's uh that's another topic for another day. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, other articles are about like, you know, just to like build up to this article. Uh a lot of, you know, we had a lot of losses. We had a bad start, 0 and 5 uh start to the season, which is pretty bad especially uh for a couple of teams that we thought we should have won against mm -hmm. suns <clears throat> yeah suns hornets um blazers yeah but i mean uh from the, uh december of 2019 i mean we had uh what 15 losses in 18 games during the holiday season mm -hmm. and that was bad as well but uh, we climbed back up, of course, with the twelve and fourteen. Record. Mixed in there, we had an eight and five November. And, you know that that was mm -hmm. like kind of like wow, we're we're figuring stuff out. We're actually pretty good. And then yeah, <laughs> then yeah. it kind of slowed down, of course. Yeah, but, and uh, it was an ugly 15, uh, 18 game stretch. It was really ugly. <laughs> like, uh, so according to this article, um, there was some unhappiness from the owner Vivek uh about how Walton is uh kind of putting this team together. But I mean <laughs> of course he, Vlade. not Vlade, Vivek, the owner. 
No, but how how Vlade put the team together, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Vlade put the team together. Yeah, so, namely, you know, the Luca man. So, mm-hmm. so uh, according to this article as well, they found a lot of success with, you know, putting Boldon in the starting lineup rather than Buddy and putting Buddy as a six man. And that has created a 13 and six record. Now, mm-hmm. do you think uh, if we flip flopped and had Buddy still in the starting lineup, you would think we would have this sort of same record that we have? No, because if you look at Buddy's stats coming off the bench, they're insane. It's like 48% from the field and mm-hmm. 40, like, no, it's like 47% from the field, 48% from three. Yeah. And the thing is, it's in less minutes. It's the same amount of points, basically. And it's, so, yeah, again, so much more efficient. And it's, the thing is, actually, putting Bogey in the starting lineup really hasn't... He hasn't played that well, honestly, in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. But Buddy coming off the bench is so much better than him starting that it's, mm-hmm. that it's like, really propelled the team to a, a next level, basically. So, okay. yeah. So... I think he should say... I think he should keep coming off the bench. I gotta read some stats from the first five games of this season, and... Uh, sadly, I couldn't find the last uh, few games of this season. But according to, or I only could find the last four of the November run, the eight and five. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, open free point shooting, and when I'm looking at these stats, it's it's pretty pretty bad. <laughs> oh, for so, buddy, uh, I got to name out the five players. Uh, so there's Belitsa, Buddy Heald, Bodon, Barnes, and let's just throw in Denman for some reason <laughs> in here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so the first five games, Belitsa, 50%. Buddy Heald, 39%. Bodon, 25%. Oof. Barnes, 33%. And Denman, you want to guess it? 12%. Uh, you're pretty close. It's 9%. Jesus Christ. He was supposed to be the stretch five that was supposed to play next to Marvin. Yeah, that failed, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm surprised because I remember, um, I wouldn't say the hype behind Denman, but I mean, I've heard good things about his three-point shooting. That uh... Because, yeah, he became a stretch five. He was kind of a stretch five even in a, during with the, his time with the Spurs. And, you know, he played with Trey Young last year, and he shot 37% from three. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like I, I, yeah, I was like part of the hype too, because like he, he was. I thought, from what I heard, he was a guy that could roll to the rim, but also stretch the floor. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, he really couldn't do either one that well because he, I think he had pretty bad hands, <laughs> like rolling to the rim. But he was a very good defender in in certain in spurts. I thought, like, and it's uh, unfortunate it didn't work out. You know. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But okay, going on with the three-point shooting in the last four games during the November month. Belitsa went up a few percentage by 53%. Buddy Hill went up a few percentage to 42 Bodon went from 25% to 48%. <laughs> That's he, what I want uh, to streaky. He's streaky, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Barnes, 33 to 45%. Deadman, 9% to 23%. Ooh. Jeez, man. <laughs> 
a percentage. That's that's Deion. I don't think DeAndre Jordan shoots that well from three, but it's a, it's a pretty big jump. Yeah, pretty big jump. So to kind of finish off this article because this article is kind of not too great. Um, let's see, we're ranked. So after the All Star break, the Kings are ranked eighth in defensive rating. So thanks to Luke, I guess, for that. And it's also pointing out the 11th fastest pace in the league. Uh, compared to, I think, last season, we were top five, I thought. We were, uh, yeah, we were top five, like, I think, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And mind you, that defensive rating is without Rashawn, too. Like, so oh. that's even all the more impressive. Like, that's really, true. Like, if you think about it. So overall, I, I mean, you could see the improvement that uh, has gone with uh, Walton being on the team as a coach. Yeah, and that's kind of what makes me optimistic about him going forward because I feel he's put in some stuff like elements to the team that will help us going forward. You know, an improved defense. You know, like the players are getting more used to his his structured offense, which kind of does a lot of down screens. But like you know, I feel he's putting stuff into place and it's finally coming together. Yeah, uh, I think I read somewhere like. Um, in the beginning of the season, he wanted to implement that defensive-minded uh, side of uh, the Kings game. And, you know, we had that fast-paced game going around. So uh, he tried to, you know, try and mix it up. And I guess, uh, okay, I don't even know how to word it. I think the reality it really is, is that, you know, it, it just took time for everyone to get to like just get used to what he was trying to like implement mm-hmm. i think it just i think it simply took time and you know and unfortunately with the injuries it just took way longer than it than it should have taken and mm-hmm. again we again we scrapped like to like a pretty good position despite being with despite the injuries like and yeah again with all these things he kind of put in place I am very optimistic about next year because a lot of people don't remember about last year, about Dave Yeager's tenure. We were nine and 16 after the all-star break. Mm-hmm. So like we lost so many games because just because basically we fit, we finished really badly and it was because a lot of teams figured us out and we mm-hmm. kind of ended on a dud. But instead this year, you know, if the season do, you know doesn't really continue, or if it does continue, but we don't play for playoff spots, like we were trending upwards, and that's something to be optimistic about. Instead of last mm-hmm. year, we were trending downwards, and people tend to forget that they just remember the the pre All Star, like you know, upstart Kings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like so, I think there's a lot of optimism to be found, you know, for Kings fans that are kind of just on the edge of giving up. You know, just just kind of just be a little bit more patient. You know, I, hopefully next year it does come together. But you know, if it doesn't come together, then uh, well, fuck. But <laughs> yeah, but you know, just be, be optimistic. Okay, all right. So for this sec, okay, so that's basically it for Luke. Uh, all right, Fong. So I've hidden this from you this all this time. You can click yes. on you can click on the perk tweak. I could, We're going to talk I about would... Kendrick Perkins, uh, and I'm going to have Fong read the tweet out to me. I could finally click on it. Yes, click on it. Okay. Read me the tweet. 
if I was on Oklahoma City, we wouldn't have blown that free one lead. <laughs> There's no way in hell we would have blown that. Kendrick Perkins talks about how Dell Dems cost him a title, his Twitter spat with KD and killing chickens? Yeah, let's not worry about that last part. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a very serious question here. Now, was Kendrick Perkins the missing piece to that 2016 Thunder team? Would they, would they have beaten the Warriors had he been on that team? No. Never. No way. Now, to clarify, however, he doesn't say in that in the tweet, but he, he, he even admits it's not because he'll be playing. It's, it's, he says they wouldn't have blown that lead because of his locker room presence. His locker room leadership. To clarify. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure if I've heard pretty bad things about his locker room presence. Actually, no. He, he's, a, he's actually one of the, like, the best locker room leaders in the, in the league, according oh, really? to most people. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit this, but like, I've, I was even kind of like wondering out loud. I was like, should we just sign Perkins just for a, a grown man on this team? Dear goodness. <laughs> like, it, it is a real thing. Like, a guy who is a locker room, who doesn't play, but is a locker room leader. And Perk is that guy. Don't give me. And, you know, I don't discount that. The team would have been different, the 2016 Thunder team. Hmm. I don't think it would have mattered because that wasn't, I don't think that was really the reason why they lost because, you know. Oh, no, it's probably because I've heard pretty negative things about Kendrick Perkins in the last few years that I thought he wouldn't be, you know, that guy. It's the thing, like I, like I actually liked him for the most part. I mean, he was kind of a joke in his uh, in the last few years he was in the league. But like I, I've heard stories about him being a great, you know, locker room leader and you know just a, a seemingly great guy to have around. He was on that 2018 uh, Cavs team, by the way. Yeah. And the reason why he was on that team was because it was after the Isaiah Thomas fiasco, where like Isaiah kind of wrecked the locker room and. Like they needed a guy to essentially heal that locker room, and that's what they brought in Perkins for. Hmm. And I would not have been like too mad again if he had just if the Kings just say, "Hey, uh, can you come? Can you come to, over to Sacramento and just you know teach these young kids, you know, how to win and stuff?" It's it it, it has it has a role in in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, I I used I you know I used to really like him, but with his kind of ESPN stuff, I'm just like shut the up you do not know what you're talking about yeah 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 and i'm and i like i like perkins i'm actually one of those guys that believe that had he played in in uh game seven of 2010 in the 2010 finals i think they win that championship the boston celtics Mm -hmm. i'm actually one of those guys who will actually defend the fact that the Celt the celtics lost because they didn't have kendrick perkins (laughs) i i get it you know he's not like He's not KD by any means, but he played a very important role in that in, on that Celtics team, and because he wasn't there, Lakers got ten got was it? Let me look at the stats again. It was thirty. I think it was thirty. Almost. Let's see how many offensive rebounds. Oh God. Well, this is willing live on air. Sorry. Um, they ended up getting twenty three offensive rebounds in Game Seven. 
So had Perkins played, I don't think they get that many offensive rebounds, and they probably have the championship. But it's it's just one of those things where I'm where like per- Kendrick Perkins is. Oh my God! Just stop talking, please. Mm-hmm. Like I like you, man, and you know, but you know he's gonna talk and yeah. And, and again, he 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 even clarified. Yeah, he's not talking about him playing on that 2016 Thunder team, but like had he been in the locker room, they wouldn't have blown that lead. Because I see. Lord, had he played, oh my God, they would. Thunder might have lost four one. So, <laughs> yeah. So that that that's my thought on that. I I just I just read that and I just couldn't help but laugh. I see, I see what you mean. Okay. So I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, he would not have the 2016 Thunder would not have won that won the title had he been on the team. However, th- there is actually an unfortunate part on that second part of the article. Um, Basically, he talks about hit when he was in New Orleans because he the reason why he wasn't on, wasn't on that Thunder team was because he signed with New Orleans. And basically, the Del Demps, who who was the GM of that team, basically said, "You know what? Sign here, and we'll sign you to to a few more years after this one after this one year deal for you to be a locker room leader in New Orleans." But then mm-hmm. at, during that summer, Del um, Del Demps basically said, "Okay." Uh, Change of plans, we're not going to re-sign you. And basically, he ended up out of the league for like, I think, a year, a year and a half, and then ultimately ended up on that 2018 Cavs team. But during the trade deadline, apparently, there were deals to get Kendrick Perkins to the Thunder, and I think to the Cavs that year. I don't remember. But basically, basically he says, had he been on those teams, they would have won the championship, according to him. According to him. Yes. Now, the 2016 Cavs did not employ Kendrick Perkins. Do you think they still win the championship if he's on that team? I'm going to say no. Eh, I I have mixed feelings about that series just because, you know, Draymond suspension, Bogut injury, um, you know, incredible comeback um, down 3-1. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that for another. We'll save that for another podcast. This is not a Cavs podcast. Let's stay on topic, I guess. Yeah. So that was the that was the per, that was Kendrick Perkins this week. Um, maybe we'll feature him more going forward. He is a he is a, a a riot to listen to, you know, despite all the horrible takes. But okay. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, this week, uh, this caught my eye. The Zoom Freak Twos have been leaked. And they look pretty dope, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it looks pretty nice, I gotta say. It kind of reminds me of one of LeBron shoes, I'd say. Yeah, like, I just, like, I don't I don't even know what to compare it to, but I think it looks pretty dope. But the Zoom Freaks are those Giannis shoes, for those of you that don't know. But I think it looks pretty dope. And, you know, like, I thought the Greek Freak, the Freak Ones were pretty Back. so I, I, i'm glad to see like that they kind of got this one right at least mm-hmm. so yeah uh i don't know if i'm gonna buy a pair i'm actually kind of just waiting on the kawaii shoes to come out or the the low top version of kawaii shoes to come out you know those oh. shoes the are they gonna make it i think so it, it said they, they're releasing them in 2020 there's no date oh, whatsoever but 
like I, that's what I've heard. Like it's the one of the most it's one of the best shoes out there right now. I see. From wear testers and Soul Brothers and those guys, mm-hmm. but you know, I I don't want a high top shoe right now. So I was just gonna wait for the low top one to come out. Um, so yeah, you you think about buying any shoes anytime soon? I'm not really too big of a basketball shoe fan. I'm more of a Air Max fan. So what's the next Air Max you buy? I mean, you know, most Air Maxes are just the same silhouette just different colors uh i'm not too sure yet i haven't seen anything that pops my eye yet maybe well, new bounces never know i'll be honest i looked up some fake uh nikes online i was looking for the joyride um oh yeah it was the, and basically i looked them up and i i found that the pictures they were all on the side and i was wondering why that why i couldn't see the tongue and then I realized when I went on the actual Nike website and looked on Joyride, on the t- on the tongue, it says Nike on there. Oh yeah. And so the reason why they don't show the tongue on the fake ones is because they can't print that. They can't print the Nike on it. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty funny little detail that I happened to notice because mm-hmm. I finally got like one shot of like the tongue and one of the pictures. But uh-huh. like it, de- it did not say Nike. It said something. I think it was blank. How much would it have been? It would have been about forty dollars. Mm. What's usually a one? What's usually like a one hundred and twenty dollars shoe? I think on sale. By the way. Yeah. So I might, I might, I might get one of those at some point, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, I meant to, I meant to talk about this last week or last. Or the episode before the WrestleMania episode. Jalen Green has signed with the G League um, for going college, but instead, you know, going straight to the G League. His, uh, the earnings package for him is believed to be about, I guess, over $1 million a year. And I think that's really cool that he uh, picked the G League because I've heard, I've heard like some stories of like how the college game is, doesn't really teach you how to be an NBA player anymore. It's more about like winning the NCAA championship. So they don't really prepare you for the NBA. So it's really cool to see a guys like a, an actual, like really high prospect go to the G league and, you know, learn how to play the NBA game as opposed to, you know, the college game. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I thought it would be interesting. It's just that, you know, everyone in the G league is trying to compete to go into NBA. So I wonder how that type of competition will fend with, uh, you know, to the other players. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because it is, as I've heard, it's a pretty cutthroat kind of uh, kind of environment for, from what I know. Like, mm-hmm. most people are kind of looking out for themselves because you in the G League, it's all about scoring for the most part. Not really mm-hmm. about, like, you know, setting up guys and stuff, but yeah, like I like to see how that goes, but I, I'm just happy that you know there's beginning to be an alternative to, uh, to you know, and to the NCAA. Like you know, Lamelo Ball and RJ Hampton went to Australia uh, last year, and you know, so yeah, it's just nice to see that there is kind of an alternative option. And of course, these guys ended up getting are going to end up getting paid, and you know, Lamelo Ball and RJ Hampton have been paid mm-hmm. um, to play basketball and. 
it's it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the NCAA does from this. I think it will ultimately push them to have to pay players, and I'm all for that. Yeah, because that paycheck sounds pretty good <laughs> for just coming out of high school. Oh yeah, it's you ever heard the the, the story about LeBron James? I think Re, I think it was Reebok sat at him at a meeting and said, "All right." We're going to give you $10 million, I think over a certain amount of years, if you sign it right now. And this was when he was like 17, apparently. Uh-huh. He basically, he just said, no, I'm going to look first. I'm going to see if I can get other better offers. Which is just <laughs> always insane to me. Like being 17 years old, someone just told you, we're going to pay you $10 million. And you said, I think there's better offers for, for me out there. It's mm-hmm. insane. And also... Uh, Adidas wanted to sign him for, I think, like 90 million at the time, or like 100 million. But Over for, the same amount of years? I don't know about the details, but it was like 100 million over, I think, 10 years. And apparently, they were supposed, they were going to, like, the guy who, who talked to LeBron basically said, Yeah, we're, they're going to pay you 100 million dollars. But then when he got back to the headquarters, the guy who told LeBron, Basically, the executive just changed the number to like a lower number. I don't remember what the number exactly was. Uh-huh. Basically, LeBron ended up signing with Nike because of that. Oh, I see. So like, talk about a missed opportunity on that. <laughs> Losing out LeBron because you didn't want to pay him $100 million. <laughs> So, yeah. Okay, well, that's going to be the end of our basketball talk. Um we're going to just uh, transition a little bit into uh, some wrestling, some good old-fashioned wrestling. So for the, you basketball fans, thank you for listening. If you want to stick around for a little bit of a uh, little extra wrestling um, talk, um, feel free to stay around. If not, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll probably catch you on the next one. But moving on to some good old-fashioned wrestling. Uh, so today, I listened to a podcast from WrestleTalk uh, uh, on on our Patreon, um, they review. Well, this was an old review, but basically they reviewed um, ECW One Night Stand 2006, and it was a fascinating listen to kind of go back in time. Now, of course, I didn't watch this show live at the time, but I did watch the videos that came out, and I just forgot how crazy these fans were. I guess like I don't think there's ever been anything like it since. It, what were your thoughts uh, about the show? The show, the fans, the <clears throat> the match, basically. I mean, <laughs> the whole show. I gotta say, it's just it just seeing the fans. It's like so so much energy, so much like negativity. Passion. Yeah, <laughs> passion. I guess you could say uh, for wrestling, and it's. It was kind of hard to like watch certain matches because you know the fans are always you know either booing or cheering. It's just like it's hard to explain for me. It's just you know like again I love the passion that they show, but it it I think they go a little overboard, and it's kind of that very hardcore section of of you know wrestling fandom and. You know, and this kind of culminates in the final match, which was kind of what really perked up my ears because I remember seeing this and I just I was amazed. Basically, the last match on the 
the last match, RVD versus John Cena. Mm-hmm. Basically, this entire fan base has kind of it, we're, are kind of the hardcore fans from you know the original ECW or just WWE haters for the most part, and they could not have just gotten a better villain for the match in the form of John Cena, who represents everything WWE. And they booed the shit out of him. Hmm. Flipped him off. They threw toilet paper at him. They threw his shirt back, which is, oh my god, just one of the most amazing moments of all time. Oh yeah. Threw him back quite, quite a few times. Yeah, and like, the, the again, the level of passion within these fans. And it's just, it's never been really replicated. The closest thing was Money in the Bank 2011, but even that wasn't as hostile as this one was they really hated john cena i felt Mm -hmm. and yeah it was a it was a pretty fun it was a pretty cool match like and it does kind of leave some on the table because this is one of those fabled matches where you get to see john cena heal and it's one of those it's one of those things a lot of hardcore wrestling fans kind of uh wanted to have always been clamoring for because there have been so many moments where they felt like John Cena should have turned heel, but he didn't. And this kind of shows that, wow, WWE really missed opportunities to turn him heel because John Cena's a good heel in this match. Really fucks with the crowd and stuff. And yeah, it's 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 an amazing it's an amazing event. Um, you know, watch that match if you guys can. Um, if you guys want to as well, you know, subscribe to a, a Wrestle Talk at Patreon. I do the five dollar one. I love their wrestle wrestle talk extra stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, crazy yeah, crazy match. Um, have you watched the rest of the event? Uh, I only watched uh, John Cena versus Rob Van Dam. Uh, I didn't really watch the other matches, but after watching that match, I'm pretty sure it's almost gonna be about the same. <laughs> Look at the uh, Edge and Mick Foley and Lita versus uh, Tommy Dreamer, Terry Funk, and uh, uh, I forgot the uh, I forgot her name, but it's like it's it's Tommy Dreamer's wife, basically. That match kind of encapsulates everything ECW. Oh, okay, then. Because there's barbed wire. There's. Sp- uh, you want me to spoil the match for you or no? Yeah, uh, sure. Why not? Okay, so there's there's barbed wire. There's hardcore spots, and there is Edge spearing a woman and then pinning her in a missionary style. So okay. everything ECW, everything ECW. Okay. <laughs> they, it, yeah, it kind of crosses the line in some ways, to be honest. But it is something that, yeah, you you'll never see today because it's PG. But like even back then, it was a little, you know, no pun intended, edgy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, get get it. If you guys have a chance, watch it. Um, yeah, it's just a pretty fun piece of uh, wrestling history that I kind of forgot about. Okay, well that's gonna be it for this episode. Uh, we'll we'll be back next week. I don't. Oh, we do. We actually do have an idea for the next episode. Oh yeah. We talk about Game Seven of of uh, Kings versus Lakers. Oh two. Now, of course, Game Six has been talked to the talk kind of to the degree already i feel you know the, the calls the referee calls yeah that's been talked about enough i don't exactly want to go through it either so we're going to talk about game seven now the game seven is basically a very back and forth event and uh 
Kings Kings kind of blew it in a way. <laughs> I hate to say it, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it in detail next week. And yeah, stay tuned for that. Until then, we'll see. See you on the next one. Yeah, see you later. Thank you.